Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. Here is how the show works. You email us via electronic mail on your computer device. Could be handheld, could be desk held. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask, A-S-K, Pete, P-E-T-E, at PeteThePlanner.com. Don't spell it like the people at Starbucks when they say, what's your name? And I say Pete, and they write P-E-E-T, as though I am spelled like no one else in the world. Damien Dunn joins me. No relation. Hey, Dame. Hey, Pete. Oh, man, we're recording this show early in the morning because it made sense at the time. At the time. That's the operative phrase there. We're going to have deeper voices. We're going to be less aware. I mean, it's going to make for a good show. Dame, first question this week is from a guy named Dean. It is also my USA Today column this week, or whenever they choose to publish it, which I'm going to be honest with you right now, I, I have no idea. It could be two months from now. That's but It's it's always nice to have that consistency. I just like the surprise of it. you know. And here's how I know. I get angry emails in my inbox just randomly on a day, and I'm like, oh, they published. Mm-hmm. Dear Pete, I just retired at 60 years old. I'm going to, I'm going to pause it right there. Dame, I know you well enough and I know that you've done this long enough that I know where your mind is right now. Uh, There's a couple things, but uh, I mean, are we going to let everybody else in on where my mind's at and where your mind's at? Or are we just going to, I think you're at health. I think you're at healthcare right now. Healthcare is the the big one. Yes. Okay. I am a single head of household male. It's a weird way to say, I'm going to be honest, but let's keep going. No children. When I retired, my annual salary was about 120000 American dollars. I've had my house mortgage paid off for about four years. No monthly debt load. I have approximately $1.7 million in investable assets. The job I left offered no real pension once I retired, even though I have taken a part-time job six months per year, very flexible consulting work. I'm still concerned about outliving my savings. Am I nuts to be concerned dean let's take a look if he's nuts sure you think he's nuts well it all depends on on one really important question doesn't it it really does and the question is how much does he live on yep that's it and and i actually am concerned for him because of the following elements here number one was that your phone buzzing or mine yeah that was my phone sorry oh that's all right well at least scores one to nothing dame is winning the unfortunate sounds of the show award. Uh, I think he probably lived on his income, uh, pretty high up on his income. I bet he lived at about $120,000, which is what he was making. We have no reason to think that he lived on less than that other than he did pay off his mortgage, but he could have lived in that same house for 30 years. You never really know. But what really concerns me is the fact that he paid off the mortgage and all other consumer debt four years out from retirement, which Dame, what you know, that means that he probably exhaled, increased his lifestyle four years ago, and now lives on more than he lived on four years ago, which is a problem heading into retirement. It certainly can be. Uh, you know, if, if you just like you said, you you work real hard, or maybe the mortgage just organically pays itself off, um, and then all of a sudden you've got that extra con- uh, extra uh, money that you can consume into your lifestyle, and all of a sudden what would have been a great situation turns into a really difficult situation. The thing that I would love to know more about 
is about the investable assets. He didn't say how much of it's in IRA or a old 401k or how much of it's uh, in, in a Roth that he might have done on his own or a, a, a non-qualified account. You know, you surmise that, uh, surmise that uh, he lived off of all of his income. Maybe he was a decent saver. He's got a nice nest egg set aside. Yeah, I don't know. Here's 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 why the other part of my concern might make my first part of my concern make more sense. He did not mention how much he lives on, mm-hmm. which makes me think he has no idea. And the fact that he's going to have a consulting gig, which is very variable income for six months, makes me think he's going to do this, Dame. He's going to get varying amounts of money for six months, and then those other six months of the year, none. And so he'll get, let's say he gets $3,000 of income in month one of consulting. Then since he doesn't know how much he lives on, he just takes whatever out of his nest egg. Month two, he makes $6,000 worth of income, but he doesn't know what he lives on. He just is all feel. So then he withdraws whatever feels right out of his savings. I think he needs to figure out how much he needs to supplement his consulting income with. And I think that's the primary issue is that when you don't have a budget, and I don't think he does because he didn't mention it, that is the most pertinent fact he does not mention of how much he lives on. And that alone is why I think he's in trouble. It very well could be. I mean, we have nothing to say that that he is or not, if or in, in his uh, his terminology, if he's nuts or if he's sane. Um, it, it, this is the basic thing that he needs to sit down and do is do a little inspection on how much he's spent over the last few months and if it seems normal or seems high and then set a target for himself to uh, uh, to hit each and every month or if it needs to be for a while, each and every week, depending on on how tightly he needs to get things ratcheted down or at least understood to make sure that that nest egg he's got set aside is going to last him to to, uh, to assuage his concerns. Because I, I, I think you and I both agree that it's very reasonable that he succeeds without too much trouble here, but it all depends on what he's spending. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you, but my gut, my gut just tells me this is a disaster, which is crazy, right? $1.7 million. But the fact that here, here, there's other things working against him. There's so many things working against this guy. It's crazy. Number one, again, uh, he paid off his mortgage four years early, which sounds like a good idea unless you increase your lifestyle then, which if you don't have a budget, you will. Number two, He's retiring at 60, which means he has to fund health care for five years, and it's unlikely he's ever had to do that. So that's a big deal. Uh, number three, uh, he will have five years until Social Security kicks in if he chooses to take it at 65, or of course he could take it at 62, or whenever. Uh, and how he plays those cards could be really interesting. And again, he doesn't mention it. And finally, I think what makes me the most nervous about this entire thing is, well, it's not his fault. It's the fact that two weeks ago, we dealt with a situation in which a woman had $180,000 to her name, and we were convinced that she could make it to age 100 just fine. And now we're seeing a person that has 1.7 with cracks in their armor. And Dame, this is why I love this business, because it is fascinating how two different people could have two different completely real- different realities, and they're opposite than what you think. Man, early morning Peter is skeptical Peter. You know, maybe I am. Maybe I wake up and I'm like, I don't know if the sun's going to rise today. It might not. You know what? I'm going to choose to be optimistic and think that this guy's... Uh, a little bit more in tune with what's going on. He was able to set aside 1.7 million by the time he was 60. And that, that says something there. So I suppose we could uh, do the math backwards and figure out what he was setting aside to get to that point by the time he was 60. But 
well, we don't have enough time in the segment to do that. Can I extend you some more skeptical, Peter, here? Sure, go um, ahead. Yeah, so also he said he's a single head of household male with no children. I think that explains the $1.7 million. Yeah, it could. I mean, isn't the cool thing to say self-partnered now, though? Self-partnered. Yeah, who said that? Emma Watson from Harry yeah, Potter? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, you don't say you're single anymore. You say you're self-partnered. I was on the way home from Chicago last night, Dame, and I stopped at Steak and Shake. Mm-hmm. And I ordered a self-partnered with cheese and a large fry. Did you uh, Did you get what you ordered? No, Emma Watson. It oh. was great. No, well. uh, that's awkward. Um, <laughs> Dame, you've done this long enough. Honestly, you've done this long enough. You talk to people every single day during the week about their finances. People, person after person after person after person. You can tell what's going on by the words they use or don't use. And and it's usually topics they're not even talking about. So to me, this email is a perfect example of that. He's told us some stuff, but what he hasn't told us, and then the weird little facts sprinkled in that he didn't intend to give us clues about, I think that tells this whole story. Man, if we just had a follow-up email. Nah, it's no fun. I like to just guess. I will say, do you remember that, that lady from the Bay yeah, Area? Yeah, absolutely. We, we made all these guesses and we nailed it. Yeah. That was that one time. <laughs> we don't tell talk about the other times. Speaking of skeptical, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the dumbest article I've read in probably three years. Fantastic. I, I feel bad because the lady who wrote it is probably smarter than both of us. Uh, that's all next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner, and uh, yeah, this is the show. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Uh, so earlier this week, actually, you know, it may have been last. It doesn't matter when it was. I read an article, and the article's dumb, and I want to share it with you. Dame, I sent you the article. Before we even give any context, do you think this article's as dumb as I think it is? It has every opportunity to be as unrealistic as you think it is. I'm really cynical this morning, aren't I? You are. Okay, so let me give some very sincere disclaimers here. Uh, the author of the article is a woman named Megan uh, Leonhart. She's a writer for CNBC. Great. Um, I, I know this sounds highly critical of her work, and, and I don't like to, to, to do those sorts of things where I trash other people's work. Uh, so I would like to pre-apologize to her. Uh, and, and, and I, but we'll talk about it. Number two... They, this is all based on the research of a professor of insurance and risk management and business economics and public policy at Wharton Pensions Research Council at the University of Pennsylvania. So, Damien, that is to say the person that I'm about to criticize is 79 times smarter than me. Mm-hmm. That's always and, fun. And more accomplished. The title of the article, which, again, you can't beat up the, the writer because they don't come up with their headlines. Right. Always remember that, everybody. When you read an article and you read the headline, first of all, read the article, but don't blame the writer for the headline. It's not their fault. Trust me. You ready, Dame? Let's do it. I mean, we're only a minute 40 in and no one knows what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> to retire at 65, millennials will need to save nearly half of their paycheck. So at first glance, you hear that. Before we even get into the data, that does not pass the sniff test to me. No. No, math would suggest otherwise. I have spent a great deal of time on this topic. 
a tremendous amount of time, how much a person needs to save to successfully retire. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the show. I've written about it. Uh, 12 to 14% will do the job for most people. 12 to 14%. And this is suggesting nearly half. Now, to understand this, you have to understand the assumptions that they made to make this work. Okay, so first of all, they say half of millennials are planning to contribute less than 6% of their income to a 401k this year. So first of all, we agree with them because that's a terrible amount. It needs to be more than that. Yeah. At least double, right? Yep. And uh, only about one in five, 20%, is currently saving more than 15% of their income. So what that would tell me is that that one in five will successfully retire. The second major assumption that's made uh, is that investment returns of the next few decades aren't going to match the roughly 10% historical returns Americans have enjoyed previously. All right, so I've got like five beefs with this. Uh, do, do you want to take any, uh, you know, cherry picking beefs off of this or do you want me to just go for it? Um, I'm going to say that how in the world do they know that? Right. Yeah. That's number one. So we can't say, of course, you can't say, oh, well, historical returns are 10%, so you're always going to get 10%. You can't say that, but you can't also say the opposite of that. You can't say, well, they're going to be lower. How do you know? It's absurd. And by the way, roughly 10%, they're using weird numbers here because they say nearly half when they mean 40%, right? Um, And then they're saying nearly 10% when the number is actually just below 9%. Doesn't that bother you? Because numbers matter. It's all for headlines, Pete. Shock value. And here, okay, so then they they loop in late major investment shops to make their point, but I still don't think they do it well. They say e- economists at Vanguard predict over the next 10 years that annual U.S. stock market returns will likely average 3 to 5%, and when you factor in inflation, the real return is expected to be under 3%. And they say Morningstar Investment Management predicts that number to be closer to 1.8%. And then they said Boston-based asset management firm GMO expects negative returns for the U.S. large cap market at 0.3, negative negative 3.6% returns in large cap stocks. Dame, what? Yeah, I... That's crazy. I, I would love to start chasing links here, but we we just don't have the time for it. So here's why this doesn't make sense to me. And, and this is why I don't like articles like this. It's because what's, is it to scare people into action? Because here's what it's going to do in our current climate. It's going to create capitulation. People are just like, well, whatever. I give up. I'm not doing it. What's, a, what's the point? That's exactly what will happen. People will say, why bother? Because I have no chance. And so this article will do more harm than good, I guarantee it. And it's it's based on weird, dumb assumptions. I, I don't know why I'm so fired. When I read this, I might just be the morning here again. But uh, when I read this, I was just angry. Yeah, I this is not... Uh... <sighs> this, is, this is painful to look at. I mean, it... it... They're exacerbating an already existing problem with this this type of uh, article because it's just like you said, it's taking somebody who may already be skeptical about 
what their future looks like and and where maybe even if you want to really go crazy what direction the country may be headed and saying well you know what this clearly isn't going to work for me so let's uh, uh let's either throw my hands up in the air and not do anything about it or seek alternative solutions which you know alternative solutions can be great but man this is this is just crazy stuff and i think the other side of this too I don't, again, I don't know why I'm so fired up about this. I think it might be the political climate that we're in right now because there's this move toward the younger generations are completely thrown under the bus. And, and, and look, there may be some truth to that, but encouraging that same generation to not properly prepare for retirement is not the solution here. No, I, I mean, I mean, okay, you said political environment. So look at some of the, uh, the things that are being touted by, Democratic pres- presidential candidates. I mean, you've got universal basic income, which is very much in favor by, well, I guess that I shouldn't say very much in favor, but if it's popular, it's typically popular among a more millennial type generation. Uh, you've got uh, um, college forgiveness. I mean, there, there's all sorts of things that, that it seems like the things that are being proposed and some of the articles that are being published, I can very easily see why they might start falling in line with this mindset. Do you, I feel like we should have given at least a cranky old man warning for this segment, and we didn't. Well, sorry. <clears throat> I mean, I'm a centrist, and I know people use that as a, a, a you know, a bad word these days. But I, I tend to think I, I, I appreciate capitalism. I also don't have really extreme views one way or the other. But I can say, like, I just find this demotivating and okay so here's a weird way to go uh, a few years ago in the indy star the indianapolis stars newspaper here in uh, indianapolis uh where the show is recorded uh there one of the columnists wrote an article about zero percent three percent down mortgages being the hotness again and this was just right after all the economic turmoil and then the picture painted these types of mortgages in a very, very, very positive light. And like an idiot, I reacted to this on Twitter (laughs) and was like, what are you doing? Like you're going to ruin people's financial lives with this article. I don't, why do I get, why do I care? Why don't I just have hot sports takes, Dame? I don't know why I get upset about stuff like this. Yeah. Well, you stay in your lane, I guess. I mean, there's plenty of people that have bad sports takes. So I have bad, I don't think they're bad money takes. I just feel like I've seen this and I know what's going to happen. No, they're not bad money takes. I'm just saying there's no reason for you to jump in and make bad sports takes along with everybody else. I've got a lot of those. So anyway, this article is ridiculous by two people who are much smarter than me and maybe not smarter than Dane, but they're smarter than me, but I still disagree with it. And only time will tell. I will track them down and apologize. Dane, we're out of time. See you in the next segment. Back on the Old Man Gripey Show, starring Pete the Planner and Damian Dunn. We got a little gripey that last segment. We should have warned people. Yeah, it's funner when you spring it on them. So this segment, we're going to swing back the other way. So last segment, we talked about why this story in uh, for in CNBC or uh, CNBC.com said that millennials will need to save nearly half their income to retire successfully, which we think is garbage. And now we're going to talk about living wage and why the wage gap is 
such a giant problem. It seems like we're arguing uh, different sides of the coin here, but that's all right. Dame, you're familiar with living wage, correct? I am. That's a loaded question. If you would have said no, we would have had a problem. <laughs> living wage is uh, the hourly rate an individual in a household must earn to support his or herself and their family. The assumption is the sole provider is working full-time, which is 2,080 hours per year. And uh, this tool that we're going to be talking about, Dame, this living wage calculator, provides information for individuals and households with one or two working adults and zero to three children. Okay, so this is from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, speaking of people much smarter than you and me, MIT. Mm -hmm. And it goes into every county and municipality in the country, and you're able to see what a person has to earn to support their family without going backwards. Okay, so Dane, what's really tough about this is, and we again, we do a lot of work in this in our day-to-day lives here. If a person earns less than this number, the idea of creating long-term stability is a fleeting idea. Oh, yeah. I, you and I have talked to a wide variety of people from every socioeconomic background over the course of our careers. And we have seen people who struggle greatly with this. We have seen people who have had, um, I, I feel bad saying moderate success when they, they make small uh, a small uh, wage, but but they are still successful. So this is still something that, that even if you don't make a lot of money, you can make things work. Uh, you just don't have as, not, as much margin for error. So this will give you a good idea, though, of, of what it's going to take. And it's really important that you have this, uh, this information so you can you know, just be a little bit more cognizant of, of the area you live in and just how much people may be struggling. Even though they're working, it may be really, really tough. Yeah, here's how I use it. When I, I hear someone struggling, I want to hear where they are on the income scale. And if they are below living wage, it explains a lot to me about their struggles. And I would argue their income is the issue. If someone is struggling above living wage, then generally speaking, I don't look at their income as the issue. I look for other things. For example, we're gonna we're gonna go to Chicago here. I know it's an expensive city. But I think there's a giant wage gap in Chicago. And so we're going to start there with understanding what it is uh, to make certain incomes in metropolitan Chicago. First of all, the minimum wage uh, in Cook County, I believe it is Cook County. It is. It I is. believe so. It is. Uh, minimum wage, $8.25. Okay. So, Dame, uh, you got to get paid that. Right? You got right. to get eight twenty-five. That is That is a, f- a minimum wage. Now, the poverty wage is 791. So if you make less than $7.91 an hour, you would be impoverished. And you hear that and you think, well, how could someone make that? And then that opens a whole other can of worms. But people do. But that is also to say, if you did happen to make 791, you would actually be impoverished. Then there's living wage, which is this idea of not going backwards to to be able to sustain yourself with Success being that you're not going backwards, not success being that you're moving forward. Does that make sense? I think so. Living wage for uh, a person who has one child and is one adult 
is $26.96 an hour. You have to make $26.96 an hour as an adult with one child to support your family. And so what's tough about that, Dame, is that you, you just start imagining, folks, not making $26.96 with one child, and they are the momentum's heading in the wrong direction. And until they go above that dollar amount, they just keep heading in the wrong direction. That's a problem. Yeah, and the the guys from the last segment probably would say, well, you're just going to have to find some more income. But it's not that easy, especially for a lot of these people in these situations. Exactly. And so let's take the child away for a second. A single adult working in Chicago would only need to make $13.34 an hour to support themselves without going backwards. Mm-hmm. That's reasonable. Sure. The, the, the child care thing is where it gets hairy. $26.96 for one child. If you have two children, you need to be at $31.50. And three children, you have at $38.72, $38.72 an hour to support a single parent with three children. Now, here's where it gets a little wonky. Two kids, or, or pardon me, two adults, one of them working with two children in Chicago, a person would need to make $27.26 an hour to support that entire family of four. Because at least in that circumstance, you have a person rendering care to the children and you don't have to pay for daycare expenses. Yeah. And, and if you look at how they break it out, that's, you know, that's $8,000 of, of costs that you can wipe off the top. So, you know, there, there is an advantage to just a two adult household only if one of them is working. I encourage everyone to go to living wage, which is all one word, livingwage.mit stands for Muncie Institute of Technology, mm-hmm. .edu, livingwage.mit, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, .edu, and play with the living wage calculator. Uh, Dame, I'm going to mess with it here a little bit and, and go to central Indiana and just show you the cost of living difference between one of the biggest cent- cities in the world and uh, oh, good old central Indiana. So uh, we said, well, you know what? It's not that crazy difference. $23.04 uh, an hour with one child and one adult as opposed to $26 an hour. That really isn't that difference. That's shocking. It's not. I would have accepted a... They're expected a much wider gap. Check. Uh, yeah, where do you want to check? Where, where do you want to go, buddy? You tell me. Are we the... are we going for uh you know middle America reasonable cost of living stuff? Whatever you want to do. I, I am I am your try, guide. Try, try Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis. What a weird choice, but I will, buddy, because you're my friend. Thanks. I think my daughter came home from school a couple years ago and swore up and down it was pronounced Memphis. There was no H in it. She was like, the H is silent. It's Memphis. And and we didn't have the heart to tell her that she was not very smart. All right. So one adult, one child, 22 bucks an hour. So it's not that, it's not that no. different. All right. So let's go to the other spectrum. Let's uh <laughs> let's not do Manhattan. Let's do like uh San Francisco because yeah, that's Fran- like the or uh um Portland or Seattle. Any any of those three. All right, let's do San Francisco because that's the hottest in uh Stupid living expenses these days. One adult, one child, thirty six seventy seven an hour. Uh, if you had three children, it'd be fifty five dollars an hour. One adult, three children. You need to make okay. So, Dame, I'm gonna put this. How many? 
one adult households with three children are making $55 an hour. Jeez. Okay, so the point here is this. If you do not make above living wage or you encounter someone who does not make above living wage, understand their problems are different than your problems. And so if we, we, we hit them with all this, well, you need a budget. It doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't matter. You shouldn't go to Starbucks. Who cares? It doesn't matter because their life is so different than yours. This is where there's two angry guys in the last segment become a lot less angry and a lot more empathetic because this is a big problem. Sure. Feel free to let us know how you feel. Email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. Askpete at petetheplanner.com. And what poverty wage is for uh, one person with three kids in uh, San Francisco is $12.07. So that means they could use social services, but they'd still need to make $12 to survive. All right, we're out of time. Dame, coming up for the break, the biggest waste of money of the week and current events right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I am Pete the Planner. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is, of course, every week we have the biggest waste of money. We call it the Boam. Dame, in the spirit of angering people this week with my hot takes, I've got another one for you. Charlotte's Web CBD oil capsules. Trusting the earth with your wellness is even more convenient with Charlotte Web CBD oil capsules. This natural supplement contains just two ingredients full-spectrum whole plant hemp extract, and organic extra virgin olive oil in an easy-to-consume pill form. Safe, plant-powered support of everyday stress, recovery from exercise-induced inflammation, and healthy sleep cycles. The capsules not only ensure you get a consistent serving every time, but also make for easy transportation. So you have Mother Nature's assistance wherever you go. $95. Dame, let's get people mad. I don't intend to get people mad, but I know people will get mad. Like the CBD thing, like what? Everyone's nuts over it. Do we know? It seems very placebo to me. I'm going to be honest. I've uh, I know people that very well <laughs> that are are really really pleased with the uh, the results of CBD oil. Me too. I have I have some in my house. Yeah, uh, it, I know it, those people are very pleased. Uh, well, I don't know. They just walk around enough. No, they, they, um, one of them is not. They didn't think there was any effect on them, and the other one is still undecided. So, I do. But we both agree that it tastes like trash. Yeah. So I, uh, this is not like an old uh, look. I know I'm an old guy. I mean, I'm not, but I act like one. I think everyone knows this. This is not about oh, it's drugs. I'm that's not my hot take, right? No, <laughs> like I don't. No. I, I'm fully aware that it's not. This just feels very vitamin-y to me. Like, there's not... Is your hot take vitamins are bad? They're a placebo effect? No, but I think like the like the people that take like 48 vitamins a day and like, I got some folic acid, I'm good. And I'm like, I, I are you? Did it matter? I, I just feel like there's not enough like mainstream medical science to justify the craze that is CBD oil. And it also feels a little bit weird 
like how it is marketed. This is I'm a total old guy. I'm pre-apologizing once again. This show is a bad one for me. I just like Mr. CBD, and there's like a green cross and a strip mall, and it's like what what's ha- what's going to happen in that store? I don't get it. My uh, my favorite local place is a tan is is a tanning salon, and they advertise in their windows CBD available here. So that's not weird for anybody. Uh, it's totally weird to me. I was like, well, how do those paths cross look okay so if it helps people i'm in like weird random story you want to you want the weirdest story i've ever told on this show let's do it settle in kids i was in mexico (laughs) (laughs) and i'm with a swat captain from the lapd okay and he's he was a retired swat captain and we're talking security of hotel guests and he has to stay up all night to secure these guests at the hotel at this thing I'm at. And he's like, I hurt my shoulder the other night. He's like, but thank, thankfully I have my CBD oil and I just rub it in and it's fine. And I don't know why I take the word of a retired LAPD SWAT captain over anyone else. But in that moment, I thought, I think CBD oil is for me. <laughs> but in every other moment in my life, every time I hear about it, I'm like, I, I mean... It's in a strip mall that also sells like Rubik's cubes. Like it's always some strange combination. It's like uh, these are chocolate covered raisins and CBD oil cans. Like it's always something weird. If uh, if you think Pete taking a CBD oil challenge for the next uh, fourteen days is a good idea, send us an email at ask Pete that uh, at uh, what I don't know. I don't even know what it is. Uh, just you send know us what an you email. Do? It sounds like you can't talk while you should take some CBD oil. I think what bothers me about it is that it's the cure-all. I, I think that might be – it's like when yeah. people are like, you know, apple cider vinegar, if you take a teaspoon a day, it'll cure gout. And it's like, will it? <laughs> like CBD oil can't call, it can't solve everything. At the, maybe, oh, maybe it can. Big Pharma has been sitting on this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get to some real current events. But anyway, for anyone wondering about like what where my hot takes begin and end, it's with CBD oil, and I've just exposed myself. But again, this is not the angriest you will be at me during this episode, so I'm okay with it. Dame, let's swing back the other way now. So, so here's how, if they, for those listening today, we got old and crotchety about the millennials not needing to save 40% because that was a dumb article. Then we went to living wage where we were just like very empathetic and we're like, look, there's a wage gap. And then we went to CBD oil and we made fun of that. Now we're swinging back the other way. Poverty in America is so expensive, it now has its own inflation value, according to a story on quartz. I don't even know what that is. I don't either. Have you ever rubbed quartz on your skin? It makes you feel real good. <laughs> uh, while all official statistics apply the same rate of inflation to the income of people living in all income brackets, Evidence highlighted by the study suggests that inflation is much higher for people at the lower end of the income scale. This is a phenomenon that Xavier Harrell, a researcher at the London School of Economics, had one of the uh, author of the report calls inequality inflation. For the bottom 20%, he found inflation is 0.44 percentage points higher than it is for the top 20%. That's fascinating, and I, I I could get on with that. I think that's true. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's a really interesting study, uh, I, but I, it doesn't uh, doesn't strike me as unreasonable at all. 
Yeah, because if you think about what the the highest categories of inflation typically are, you get into things like healthcare, mm-hmm. and and I don't know if they account for this, but people who are in poverty don't have the same level of uh, not only healthcare, but they don't have the same coverage in terms of mitigating increases in premium like an employer. Like an employer on a high-end job, if if health insurance premiums go up, that employer might actually say, you know what, as the organization, we're going to eat some of those increases. Whereas if you're on the poverty line, no one's eating those increases. They're going right to your bottom line. Yeah. I, you know, it's, uh, it's just another situation that uh, most of us, uh, most of us probably don't uh, even factor into our, our uh, thought process for, for what we do, but can have a, a huge ramification over the long term. I think for most people, when it comes to healthcare and just like getting better, if they just bathe in CBD oil, I think they'd be fine. You know, I, that's, uh, that's another challenge I think you should embark on. Here's the tough thing. I mean, I have a, an acquaintance that daughter had a very, very serious medical condition, and they felt that it improved due to CBD. And so that is the one thing that I'm just like, great. I, I, I'm so glad it exists then for, the, for that person and all the people in those situations. But I can still hold the view that it is like the most overused ointment for every ailment that exists. So even if it is a placebo, if it still gets your mind to your your mind and your body to fix whatever is ailing you, does it really matter? No, no, nothing. By the way, none of my hot takes matter. I think should we not establish that permanently on this show? Uh, nothing that, I say matters. Should that be a bumper for every segment? Yeah, we should definitely have like the big voice come on. <laughs> Views expressed on this show don't matter. I think that would that would skyrocket things. We for have us. a minute left. Give us the story you found. Oh, so well, I'll uh, I'll make it brief. Uh, yesterday, check local listings for yesterday, but November seventh, the IRS released a long-awaited proposal uh, proposed regulation to update the life expectancy tables uh, that both retirement account owners and beneficiaries use to calculate their required minimum distributions or RMDs. So in effect, what this proposal is going to do is uh, make it more favorable for the uh, the investor or the beneficiary because they won't be forced to take as much money out on an annual basis. Now, we're not talking about uh, a, a huge percentage change, but depending on what those account balances are, it could be literally thousands of dollars of year a year that you are allowed to uh, keep in those accounts and let continue growing. So it it could, if these are accepted, uh, make a a substantial difference for some people. Just what the government needs: less tax revenue. And that's it for this week's show. We were all over the place. You hate me. You love me. You hate me. You love me. You just still don't know how you feel, Dame. Thanks for being on the show. I guess. Thanks. <laughs> Send you good vibes because <laughs> good vibes are all in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this was nuts. Mm-hmm.